If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Reclaimed. This is a podcast. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. Did you know they are called podcasts after the Apple product, the iPod? That's sort of like uh, not as widely used technology as it once was. Sure. But the term podcast has stuck around. Indeed. Much like... Uh, so it's actually named, named after a, a branded product. Yeah. Well, that happens. Mm. Do you know why they're called Triscuits? Uh, it sounds like Biscuit. And nope. it's a portmanteau of biscuit and something else. It's, you know, it's a portmanteau of biscuit and what? Biscuit and tritanium. No, what is it? Electric. Electric biscuit? Because they're made in like an electric oven. <laughs> oh my god, I love it! That's why they're called Triscuits. Do you know why they're called grape nuts? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> no idea. Hell if I know. Oh uh, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> The original manufacturers said that they were uh, they were sweet like grapes and crunchy like nuts. But are they neither of those things? No, it's they're they're hunks of barley. Uh, oh. they're they're not sweet like grapes. They're sweet oh. like barley. They're oh. grain. Okay, horkin barley chunks. I don't think I've ever actually had grape nuts before. Really? Oh, they're yeah. they're they're my what my favorite cereal. I think I like things that I'm I, a raisin bran man. Uh, and I you like, know what? I, like I always have are, been, even as a kid. Very nice. Yeah. I, uh, I I prefer them before they started candying the raisins. Well, there's different. Uh, and, there's, there's raisin bran, and then there's this like is a movie podcast, by the way. Things. We don't just talk about I, breakfast I cereal. I pitched a cereal review podcast once, by the way, and I got shot down. I want to make this abundantly clear. <laughs> well, you don't pitch to the Los Angeles Times. Um, I pitched it to you. Uh, if you no, want I, us to I do a want... podcast where we do nothing but review cereal on the on the podcast, like we eat a bowl of breakfast cereal, like let and, us. Uh, we yeah. don't have to chew it on the air. I know that not everyone likes that, but we can just review breakfast cereals. Oh no, be, so I'm down for that. Isn't isn't chewing like a thing? People, like, people li- like listen it. to like sort of breathing and, and chewing people, noises. Some people do like yeah. it. Some people don't like it, and I feel like right. it would be alienating right. to, to pick one of these. Uh, the premise of this movie podcast. Oh right. <laughs> Is that there are a lot of streaming services out there in the world, and uh, William and I don't have uh, a complete film education. No one does. And so we are taking the opportunity to delve, to look into uh, one streaming service or another. We choose one service. We pick four films on it, Mm -hmm. uh, two of which has not been seen by either Whitney or myself. The important thing is we Mm. each pick two films. And we each pick two films that that we haven't seen. Mm. Sometimes we both haven't seen them. I, um, I, but in either case, right. but in either I, case, I called you Whitney and you said nothing. <laughs> but in either right. case, uh-huh. uh, in either case, the point is this: uh, this is an opportunity for us to watch movies that perhaps you are familiar with that at least one of us is not, mm. and to sort of fill in the grander education of cinema. Because, and this is true for all of us, uh, cinema is a journey. You know, no one's seen it all. No one. I don't care who you're talking. Leonard Cohen. Uh, Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen definitely has. Le- Leonard, Leonard Bolton hasn't seen. Leonard them. Cohen has seen every movie. Oh, I apologize. He, he, yeah, he 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 yeah. really really was uh, plugging away. But yeah, Leonard Bolton. <laughs> Leonard Bolton. Even Leonard Bolton <laughs> hasn't seen everything. Uh, so um, yeah, so this is our our quest. And uh, every uh, every episode for uh, this show on Patreon.com/slash Critically Acclaimed Network, even for one dollar a month, you can vote on what movie you'd like us to cover 
on the next podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, this particular episode, the options were all action movies on Netflix, uh, of which I, I I actually struggled to find some that I hadn't seen, but action isn't Whitney's favorite genre. So I, he ended up picking a film mm-hmm. that he hadn't seen, even though it was considered a gigantic blockbuster when it came out. It was nominated for some Academy Awards uh, in the sort of action-y genre, in the uh, action-y realm, the Categories, yeah. So on and so forth. Um, and uh, yeah, this is your first time seeing... Rennie Harlan's Cliffhanger. Matheson has been transferred from the Denver office to Frisco, and as a professional courtesy between offices, I was asked if he could hitch a ride. Got plenty of room. Be glad to accommodate you. Bruce got an emergency call at five climbers just ran off Comb Bluff. I haven't climbed in months. You just lose the feel. Maybe you mean the nerve. Where's the helicopter? What the hell's going on? What are your names? Tucker and Walker. Well, Tucker and Walker, we're missing three bags. What's in them? None of your fucking business! Fudge! I just want to say right now that an action movie set on a mountain Mm -hmm. with mountaineers as the heroes called Cliffhanger... Mwah. Just perfect. What a pitch. What a Because the poster, if you'll recall, the poster was like Sylvester Stallone hanging from like the underside of a cliff by like one hand with no like gear or rope or anything like that. Uh-oh. The poster freaked people out. So it was a really, um, really good setup. It was, a, it was an easy, yeah, uh, it was an easy sell. Uh, Cliffhanger came out in 1993. Uh, sort of a, a good period for a certain kind of Hollywood cheese yeah, uh, everything was just sort of big and action set piece oriented. You could kind of hear the pitch meetings for a lot of these movies. Yeah, it's like, oh, we got it's an action film. It's set on a mountainside, and we got Stallone. Good, here's your check. Yeah, like you, you can almost uh, taste the cocaine in the air uh, <laughs> over a coffee table in Malibu where yeah. uh, guacamole this, was shared. This was the same summer that gave us films like uh, Rising Sun and The Fugitive. And another stakeout, and in the line of fire, uh, mm. and the firm, and Jurassic Park, and mm. the last action hero. The firm was huge. Firm by was the a big way. hit. Yeah. People forget that firm was firm was enormous. Yeah, I, I I have a theory that uh, we only talk about the blockbusters of the past uh, in so far as they resembled the blockbusters of today. We sometimes forget that yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, let's look back at the blockbusters of, of yesteryear and you, they go straight to mm. like the previous generation's superhero movies. Yeah. It's like, let's talk about blade and X-Men. It's like, yeah. well, why are you talking Surely about Surely the Phantom was a huge hit. No, it was not. <laughs> why are you not talking about the firm or in the line mm. of fire? Because there aren't a lot of these sort of legal thrillers uh, in the public eye right now. A lot of people remember cliffhanger very, very fondly. Cliffhanger was the seventh highest grossing film of 1993. No small feat. Well Which, done, uh, Cliffhanger. I think the seventh highest grossing film of 93 is about the same as like the highest grossing movie around now. But when uh, you adjust for inflation. Adju- like when, when adjusted for yeah. inflation. Uh, but uh, Cliffhanger came in seventh. Do you know what made more money than Cliffhanger? It came in sixth. Uh, Who would hazard a guess? Uh, apart from Jurassic Park and the Jurassic, firm. Jurassic and, pa- yeah. Okay, Jurassic Park was number one. Mm-hmm. Number two was Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, that was a huge... Number three was uh, The Fugitive. Also hit, yeah. Okay, number four oh. that year grossed more than Cliffhanger. Schindler's List, that All was right. a blockbuster. That wasn't mm. just an important film. That movie made bank. The Firm was number five, and then made just a little less than The Firm, and not an insignificant amount more than Cliffhanger. 
Indecent Proposal. Oh, I haven't that seen was Indecent a, Proposal. That was a bigger hit. That, that was, was a, uh, yeah, Woody the, Harrelson and Demi Moore are a, a couple in Vegas, mm-hmm. and Robert Redford approaches them and says, hey, uh, your wife looks like an old girlfriend or something like his like ex-wife yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he offers them like this like huge amount of money to sleep with her. Yeah, I'm going to, because basically I think uh, he lets Woody Harrelson get like in debt. Oh. For like gambling, or whatever. Like oh, that's that. right. He like manipulates yeah. him, so he needs and then he the says, money. And yeah. then he just say, "Hey, listen, I will pay you one million dollars to sleep with your wife." And mm. what would that do to your relationship? And it would probably be a little complicated, unless you're Polly. In which case, who cares? Yeah, I, was about yeah, to say. I, I would do it just to sleep with Redford. Yeah, we'll we'll t- yeah. Seriously, Robert Redford yeah. comes up to you. I will offer you one million dollars. How about? Uh, let's just go to your room now. Uh, no, 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 no. Finish honey, that honey, sentence honey, later. Honey, take yeah. the check. Take the check. Point. Like, why not? Um, but because seriously, it's Redford. Like it's it, yeah, it was, but, it was uh, one of those questions that everyone in the audience was going like yeah I do that and, and yeah like <laughs> yeah sex in mainstream movies was yeah. uh, a little bit more a uh, little bit more de rigueur and um, uh, and yeah big action movies like Cliffhanger were mm. par for the course uh, yeah I hadn't seen Cliffhanger until just now yeah um, until like a couple days ago when I watched yeah. this for the first time. Uh, it's directed by Rennie Harlan, who has a bit of a spotty track record. Yeah, uh, Rennie Harlan, I think, started strong with some interesting horror movies. He made a movie called Prison. Oh, uh, Prison's made... fucked up. Yeah, and, Prison uh, is a crazy film. You uh, he totally also see made Prison. A, he made a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four, mm-hmm. which is the one with uh, the the cockroach nightmare done by Screaming Mad George. It doesn't make uh, much sense, but it has some incredible sequences in it. Yeah. Um, the plot doesn't make any sense. You go to mm. Nightmare on Elm Street 5, it just doesn't no. have a plot. And then in uh, 1990, he did The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Another one I haven't seen. Yeah. That uh, was the Andrew Dice Clay movie. Yeah, he did Die Hard 2. Which was huge. It was huge. It was a big um, deal for Die Hard Not too. as good as Die Hard. No, uh, a lot of people like then, it, though. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan, but it's fine, I guess. Yeah, after that is when he yeah. made uh, Cliffhanger. But he went on to make Cutthroat yeah. Island, which is, to date, one of the biggest bombs ever made. Uh, uh, yeah, he he was active as a producer as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he made Cutthroat Island. Uh, he'll he'll always be on my side for making The Long Kiss Goodnight, which I really, that, really that like. That movie rules. Yeah, that movie's pretty kick-ass. After The Long Kiss Goodnight, it's kind of like this steady downhill slope. Um, I am not on board with this attempt to rescue the film Deep Blue Sea from its <laughs> B-movie status. It's an entertaining B-movie and nothing more and will never be anything more I, than that. I, I will maintain uh, this. I will maintain this about Deep Blue Sea. Uh-huh. I agree. It is an entertaining B-movie, nothing more. It is a very entertaining B-movie. No, it is I, just I, an no, entertaining I would B-movie. argue that it is a very entertaining B-movie and it has aged better in terms of a silly B-movie than a lot of its ilk from the era. All right. That's all I'll go. It's, okay. not, it's not a classic, but it is fun. There's a, it is fun. There's a scene in the movie where the, the mm-hmm. chef character, I think he's played by LL Cool J. He is played by LL Cool J. Um, uh, they're on board this uh, floating lab out in the middle of the sea, and they're growing sharks because they need big brain sharks to make Alzheimer's medicine Yeah, out of the shark brains. So the sharks are enormous and super intelligent. And the wouldn't you know what the lab they're on begins sinking and sharks infiltrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to hide from the sharks in the sinking kitchen that is filling mm-hmm. with water, LL Cool J gets in the oven. Wise. And closes yeah. the door behind him. Sharks can't get in there. The shark turns the oven on. Because <laughs> the shark has a bigger brain now. <laughs> it like flips its little flipper over the knob. <laughs> it's the stupidest shit. Oh, it's uh, amazing, though. It's so much fun. And yeah, yeah after, after Deep Blue Sea, though, it's <laughs> it's been pretty much garbage from Rennie Harlan. Some, did, some, some noteworthy ones, though. He did The Exorcist at the Beginning, which mm. was a mostly a gigantic reshoot 
of the Paul Schrader Exorcist prequel Dominion. Yeah. Uh, and I will say this right now, I haven't watched them both like in a long time. I saw Rennie Harlan's Exorcist at the beginning, and I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. I can't wait to see Paul Schrader's original vision. And then I saw Paul Schrader's original vision, and I was like... <sighs> Rennie Harlan's was better. Well, like, Rennie, at least at least moves like his yeah, like Paul Schrader's is a Paul, turgid Paul Schrader's film. is really really slow moving. It's all, yeah. you know very. It's not even talky. It's just like a lot of people staring at each other very yeah. meaningfully. And um, yeah, Rennie Harlan made something a little bit more like a pot boiler. Yeah. They both suck. Like neither yeah. of them is good. Uh, Rennie Harlan's is the more watchable film, but yeah. I'm not going to call it a good movie. He also made right after that uh, a movie called The Covenant. Which was kind of like it's, uh, it's notable for how queer it is. It's very yeah. queer. It's got a very it's got a lot of queer vibes. It's basically um, kind of like the Lost Boys meets the Craft. Uh, it's like the, or like the Craft with a bunch of hunky shirtless dudes. Yeah, uh, and it's got a yeah, wonderful, war, sexy warlock. Boys. It's got a wonderful over the top performance from Sebastian Stan. Uh, I've, I've, I'm fond of that. Right. Then he made a bunch of stuff I don't care about, uh, and then he did the Legend of Hercules, which is one of the two Hercules movies that came out around 2014. Legend of Hercules is uh, we mentioned we recently did a, a letters episode in which we talked about some of the films that we had seen and then they had gone through some slight changes mm-hmm. uh, between when we saw them and when they were released, which usually doesn't happen to critics. Usually by the time they show it to us, it's done. But I forgot to mention Legend of Hercules. The Legend of Hercules, which starred Kellen Lutz as Hercules, uh, concludes with Hercules having all herked out and accepted his herk powers and he's gonna like save the day herk style. Uh, he's brought an army with him, and he's going to storm his dad's castle and going to stop him. So he's led his army to his dad's castle, and then there was the first time I saw this movie, there was a shot of like a bunch of like the soldiers on the parapets looking down at Hercules' army, and it was all super dramatic. They, oh shit! And then some guy said, "Hey, it's Hercules." <laughs> <laughs> and, and you learned you learned later that that was uh, like raw audio from yeah, the scene. Like one of the sure e- one of the extras was just like they were probably instructed by the director to say, "Oh, and Hercules is going to come in, and you all notice, and you turn around yeah, and point." And, and one yeah. of, and one of the act, one of the extras in character seems just to have said, said says, "Hey, it's Hercules." Hey, it's Hercules, uh, and and it's just so the timing was hilarious. <laughs> not a not a dry eye in the house. Everyone was laughing so hard. So I I believe I saw it again later that they took that out, and I was really disappointed. Every single time. In those Avengers movies, yeah, when somebody calls Thor by name, yeah, it just makes me giggle. It's his name. I know it's his name. It's stupid. <laughs> what was it? What was that? What was like, the name hey, of the... hey, hey, Thor, how you doing? Well, what, what was hey, the Thor? Was... Can you go to the store and well, pick me something up? I'm gonna go to the Thor store. Go to what, the Thor store and what, get me four more. What was the name of the guy who was in Rock and Roll Nightmare? Right. Oh, uh, John Michael Thor. John Michael Thor. Yeah, you, you call him Thor. No, I call him John Michael Thor. I call him Mister Thor. I call him Mr. Michael Thor. Mr. Michael Thor. Michael is spelled M-I-K-L, by the way. Yeah. Michael. He's, a, he's awesome. He's a ca- um, Canadian rock and roller who fights anyway, Satan. Rennie Harlan, for about 10 years, was one of the bigger directors in Hollywood. And Cliffhanger is one of the reasons why. Because after Die Hard 2, and he almost didn't want to do it because it's basically Die Hard on a Mountain. Hmm. Uh, after Die Hard 2, he followed it up with a gigantic success. And that success was Cliffhanger. Uh, Cliffhanger stars Sylvester Stallone as a mountain rescue expert. Uh, who at the beginning of the movie uh, is trying to save uh, Michael Rooker, who's his, like his mountain climbing partner, uh, was climbing a mountain with his girlfriend, who was an inexperienced climber, and he had injured himself, mm. so they were stuck. And so Sylvester Stallone is trying to save them, 
by pulling them from one uh, tower uh, to another. On like a zip line. On like yeah. a zip line so that they, a helicopter can rescue them on a more unsafer ground elsewhere. And this is, it's an incredible sequence. This whole sequence is amazing. So and Stallone, and it starts really light and starts getting yeah. more desperate. And you, reali- yeah. you don't realize how tense it's going to be like, yeah. at the start of it. There's really gorgeous cinematography of this mountain. And this, this seriously, the shots of the Stallone a- and Stallone's body double uh, like climbing this mountain like freestyle. With like, and he's just hanging from it by his hands, and I'm like, I saw this movie in a theater when I was a kid, and that terrified me. I'm not even acrophobic, but that was just scary was, as hell. Um, one of the notable features of Cliffhanger is all the aerial photography. Yeah. They actually went up into the mountains and like put cameras on helicopters to make sure you saw. And there are a lot of really impressive shots yeah. where they pan across the mountain. There's like a, one actor who's doing some action. They pan over to a helicopter that's in midair. Yeah. And over to another mountaintop where there's another actor that they kind of had to time. They had to time all of that out. There's that's really, really impressive. They, and, they, and they're really uh, good about using that to tell the story visually. Like there's a whole bit where like this helicopter's coming and it might rescue them. And like, oh, maybe they could see Sylvester Stallone because we can see Sylvester Stallone climbing. And then the camera pans out and you realize that from that far away, you can't see him. Yeah. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a speck. And it, it's not going to help anything mm. right now. And it's really effectively done. It's yeah. it's uh, a really cool looking movie. That opening sequence, uh, I, I wasn't able to find the actress's name. Mm. The, the one who plays uh, the woman who plummets to her death. Oh, let me find that for you. Um, but I recognized her mm. because uh, t- two years later, she was in a movie called Outbreak. Uh, oh, she was, was an Outbreak. A, a disease movie uh, about a... with yeah. the Michelle Joyner. Michelle Joyner is her name. Okay, yeah. uh, there was a sequence in Outbreak that where we cut away from all of the main characters. There's, mm. You know, Dustin Hoffman and Rene Russo and yeah. Donald Sutherland and, and uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. Uh, and Someone whose name we'll never mention. Uh, and, and another actor as well. Um, <laughs> one of an early supporting role. Uh, and we cut away from all of those characters. Mm. And we cut just to this little small town where this like incredibly deadly disease has broken out. And, and the whole town has been quarantined. Yeah, the the town yeah. has been quarantined. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, to show kind of the the personal effects that this disease is having on the people yeah. of the town, we cut to this random family in the middle yeah. of the town. Yeah, we don't really and you know, just mom, dad, and, and they're kids. just sort of ha- hanging out, and you know they're they're like, okay, it's a good thing we're all uninfected because we're just sort of locked inside mm-hmm. and we're being safe. And then a guy in like a hazmat suit knocks on the door, and mom turns around and looks, and she's got like a little red smudge on her face. Yeah, she's like. They just said it would be a couple days. And like are horrified. We realize, oh no, she's been infected. Yeah. She gets in a van and we see a close up of her face as she's looking out the window of the men, yeah. like evil men in the hazmat suit. She just says, but goodbye. Putting Michelle Joyner and, in peril was good drama and, in the 90s. And we cut back to her later and they're taking a blood sample. And then we cut back to the main cast and they're sort of like, t- yeah. like there's like, there's like, like this giant trays of blood samples, but we know like, which one is hers. Mm. And then we just look at the, he's going from one blood sample. Positive. Damn it. Oh, positive, positive. Damn it. And then it's hers. Positive, and we're like, "Oh shit, yeah. she's gonna die!" And you never like, see her again. And no, we do, we do, we, we, do see, see we see her getting zipped up in a body bag. Oh, she that's right, dies. we do. Is he, oh, <laughs> it's so fucking horrible. Yeah. So that's how I know this woman. She uh, yeah. she died of a disease, yeah. and then I finally saw Cliffhanger, and she fell to her death. It so amused she, me. She's the actress who dies. It amused me when because uh, when the when the um, when the outbreak happened in real life two years ago. Everyone was remembering the Steven Soderbergh film Contagion, which is a very good film. Very creepy film, great ensemble cast, oh, yeah, and uh, reasonably Jude, Jude realistic really good, for what yeah. it's handling. Uh, almost nobody talked about Outbreak, and I think it's because it's Contagion with a helicopter chase. It just made it a really big Hollywood the, 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 version. Yeah, the kind of thriller version of the yeah. same thing. Uh, it, you know, it, it's... Felt accurate at the time. It wasn't. Yeah. Not no, for a second. No, but, but it, was, it was playing off of... Because there's every... 
few years and you know and the corona was the one that really did break out but every few years there's some scare about a new virus or some kind of contagion uh that's happening somewhere usually somewhere relatively isolated and there's a whole thing with like what if this comes here that could be really bad mm. like uh, the flesh-eating bacteria was one of those and like there's a whole yeah, bunch yeah. of others and Outbreak was just that was kind of in the zeitgeist. People yeah, were talking yeah. about that more than usual lately when Outbreak came out. It, it was it was pretty much about Ebola. Mostly, they, they yeah. called it Motaba in the movie. Yeah. It was a fake thing. Um, but yeah, uh, that's a connection to this other '90s thriller that I actually did see numerous times in the theater. I didn't yeah. see Cliffhanger anyway. Uh, um, but uh, after that event, uh, that's sort of like the prologue to the action. Yeah. Yeah, this young woman dies. Uh, goes alone, uh, blames himself. And what great, like, seriously, you really get a sense of the height of that attempted rescue and how helpless it is. Uh, Rennie Harlan does this really horrible thing where, like, she's got, like, a little stuffed dog. And then she, like, drops the dog and you see the dog fall all the way. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, fuck you. I'm not mad about the dog. It's a stuffed dog and I'm mad about it. Stallone is traumatized. He comes back eight months later. But meanwhile, uh, at the National Treasury Department, uh, there is an airplane shipment of, like, currency that can only be moved in, like, gigantic international transactions. It's almost completely useless. Except to one bad guy. <laughs> and so we get this, honestly, amazing mid-air heist where they actually had to do it. They actually took an airplane... There's a you know shootout happens. There's a big whole misleading thing where you think well, this guy the, who's coming along the, uh, for the ride is going to uh, steal everything, but it turns out he's actually the hero. It's nicely done. Well, and uh, yeah. there's uh, a good way to raise raise the stakes. You yeah. know, we're introduced to all these characters in an earlier scene. They say we're going to get on this plane. They yeah. get on the plane, and everybody dies. Yeah, like people except like, one guy. You yeah. don't know who's going to get shot at any given moment. Yeah. Most of them are recognizable character video. actors. So like the, any yeah, one yeah, of them yeah. could be the bad guy. But uh, the whole who, thing who is... Who was that main guy who usually plays, like, really slimy characters? Oh, the, uh, uh, the, the... The one who turned out to be the hero. Oh, the one who turned out to be the hero. Uh, wasn't, uh, he, wasn't he, like, Sidney Prescott's dad? In oh, was he? I, yeah, maybe so. I no, think. Sidney Prescott's dad was somebody else. But, uh, yeah, mm. um, he's he's a well-known character actor. You see him in, like, a lot of, like, slimeball roles. I'll, 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 I'll mm. look him up. But, um, anyway... But yeah, there's a, a, a midair heist. There's a midair heist. Uh, and they, they... three gigantic suitcases uh-huh. full of thousand dollar bills yeah so this is like millions and millions of dollars yeah and what they do is they connect the planes through a A, zip line yeah so by the way we're we're 30 minutes into this movie we've had two giant action sequences on a zip line it's just going to be one of those films but they've connected they they, they hired some stunt coordinator and that was their specialty well this stunt they actually had a guy zip line from one plane to another in midair yeah. <laughs> the insurance company would not cover that shit because he he wasn't connected to anything he was mm. just connected to the zip line Stallone paid him one million dollars out of pocket and to he's cover still, that and guy Stallone, so and he could yeah, do that and it, yeah. and it all worked out and it's an incredible stunt it's an <laughs> unbelievably incredible stunt like holy shit um, but the, the guy who it turns out was like the one person I didn't see coming. It's like when Poirot turns up on the Orient Express, like whoops, mm-hmm. uh, he ends up ruining everything. The plane explodes and the three cases full of money end up dropping on this mountain and the airplane that they're in crashes on the mountain as well. Mm. So on top of being stranded, on top of being stranded in a place where they're not prepared, they don't have cold weather gear or anything like that. They also have lost this money. Mm. So they put out an emergency call. 
And they send Michael Rooker and Sylvester Stallone, who happens to be back in town, to rescue them. And then they kidnap them both and say, lead us to the money or we'll kill you. And that's uh, the yeah. plan. Uh, and meanwhile, there's been a, there's a little backstory with the Stallone character. Um, yeah. What's his name? Gabe. Gabe, Gabe. Walker. Yeah. Um, uh, he's tortured over the, the events of the prologue. And uh, Michael, Rooker, yeah, Michael Rooker is still bitter that he... Watched his girlfriend die, and with good cause. Like it's all very cause. reasonable. We're introduced to this pair of like slacker snowboarding dudes, yeah. like these snow dudes who are going to go climbing up the mountain. That w- and, they should have uh, had their own spinoff called Snow Dudes. And uh, we have uh, Stallone's confidant. I'm not sure if they were dating, like what their actual the nature of their actual relationship was. Mm. But uh, the Janine Turner character. Um, no, they were dating. They, they were dating. dating. They were like okay. living together. Yeah, she's, but he, she's the helicopter pilot. Yeah, but he hightailed it out of there. He couldn't stand to even be mm. in the area. Uh, and he's coming back after eight months, and she thinks he's coming back to stay. And he says, no, I just wanted you to come with me because I can't do this anymore. That was too traumatizing for me. Mm. And she's very not understanding about that, mm-hmm. which I'm like, come on. <laughs> what someone, someone literally fell out of his hand to do, do their death. Like it's that would fuck anyone up. Oh, she just (laughs) she's of the get just get over it school. Oh yeah. Um, Meanwhile, bad guy Mm. Eric Quaylen, played by John Lithgow, played by John Lithgow, uh, (coughs) who is great in here. By the way, he's having a lot of fun being a bad guy. John Lithgow appreciation moment. Uh, Yeah. I was looking up John Lithgow recently, and there was there has not been a period since maybe 1981 where he hasn't been working. Yeah, uh, in in film, TV, or theater, he is just working and working and working, and he is always there. Mm-hmm. He's always there to sell it, uh, and he'll play a great variety of roles. He'll play quiet, dignified roles. He'll play completely silly, goofy roles, mm-hmm. and he's he played uh, several notable heavies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't know he was in this movie. Oh, that was a bit of a fun so surprise. it was a bit of a surprise. Like, yeah. Oh, hey, John Lithgow. He was a last minute replacement for Christopher Walken. Yeah, okay. Christopher Walken was going to be the bad guy, and apparently they also wanted David Bowie, which would have been Until, a very different <laughs> film. Yeah, <laughs> not David Probably, Bowie. No, no, no. I think it would have been fun, but it would have been a very different. Y- film. You need John Lithgow. It's amazing. Like this. You need somebody who's going to chew scenery a little bit. It's amazing. That's to not me. the kind of actor David. When Bowie you go was. back in time to like the eighties and the nineties, it's amazing to me how many people wanted David Bowie to play like every role. Like he was up for everything. Like everyone wanted him to be, he almost never acted. He didn't do that much, but they always wanted him. Well, I mean, we've talked about this before. Casting, casting directors don't have like, um, some sort of careful skill where they're like, they look at the role and they really analyze and they try to figure out who's best for it. And they go through this list of actors in their head and really like zero in on one. That's rare. Well, it, when that when that happens, that's usually like a director request, mm-hmm. uh, or it's for, it's for the major roles anyway. Yeah, for yeah. the major roles. Um, when it comes to casting movies, uh, most casting directors just have a list of the the biggest, most money making stars in Hollywood, and we go for them first, and they yeah. start at the top, and that's yeah. that's it, and they just keep on calling down that list until someone says yes. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter if Tom Hanks is wrong for the role. They're going to call Tom Hanks really first fast, because, yeah, yeah they, it's like, hey, you busy? Yes. Okay. Uh, next. Next. Uh, who's on the yeah. list next? Robert Downey Jr. And John Lithgow doesn't have a particularly meaty role here. He has no motivation other than he's a bad guy. Yeah. He doesn't have yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have particularly memorable dialogue, although whatever what he has, he sells well. He's not even an action guy. He fights Stallone briefly for like 20 seconds at the end, but he's letting all of his henchmen do the work. Why? He's John Lithgow. He doesn't fucking have to. (laughs) And yet you totally buy him as this incredibly intimidating presence. 
He's absolutely completely in charge and in control. And that is a hard thing to pull out of a script, which is... I actually like the script for Cliffhanger. Stallone is co-credited on this. He did a major mm-hmm. rewrite on it. And I think he did a pretty good job of keeping it sort of a bit more character-based than it could have been. Okay. Because of keeping you know alive the whole, you know... Uh, Gabe's relationships with his girlfriend and Michael Rooker and how mm-hmm. that actually like affects what they do on the mountain, that kind of thing. There's a lot of infighting between the bad guys that actually comes to a head multiple times mm. in clever ways. And it's a pretty solid action movie screenplay, but it is still in many respects a nuts and bolts action movie screenplay. It's, it's taking you from one set piece to another. Yeah, the, the, it's not a, a, a particularly deep action movie where there's anything... Uh, too much going on past the action itself. No, there's all excuses for it's all excuses for setups and payoffs and, yeah. and, and set pieces. Uh and some of them are pretty fun. Um yeah. there are three suitcases, so there has to be a rigmarole around each one. Yeah. And uh each one has a tracking device in it, and there's gonna be something about the tracking device. Um uh, with the third suitcase, I thought there was a really, really uh, fun, clever twist with the tracking device. Oh yeah, they did a cute thing. Uh, yeah, and and I, I appreciate that. It the only real good guys that we have on the mountain are, are Stallone and Michael Rooker, mm-hmm. and the, and then, then eventually Janine and Turner. Then yeah. A, yeah, a little later, Janine Turner comes up, uh, but. Unfortunately, Janine Turner doesn't get to do like badass action stuff. No, she a, she gets up so there 90s. and then then yeah, Stallone just protects her. It's that that was uh, a really unfortunate thing. We started to get like more prominent roles for women in '90s action movies, but nine times out of ten, they just got to be there. Well, they what happened was uh, while James Bond was busy beating up the male antagonist, uh-huh. uh, Halle Berry was beating up the female protagonist. Or when um, Stallone was beating up yeah. uh, Armand Asante and Judge Dredd. Diane Ladd was beating Diane, up the female antagonist. Uh, yeah, that was so, very common. Uh, yeah. yeah, in True Lies, that, that yeah. was again... Uh, uh, Tia Carrera versus uh, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis. Lee Curtis. Exactly, and, yeah. they, and they always, always called each other bitch. It was awful. Mm-hmm. It was such an unfortunate trend. I, and, it, and it still happens sometimes. I can't remember the last time I... Last time I think I saw it in a big, 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 big movie was G.I. Joe, okay. uh, The Rise of Cobra. Okay, uh, Lady J and... Um, and um, um, the, 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 the Baroness. The Bar- I almost called it The Countess. No, it's not, no, it's not Lady J. Lady J wasn't, wasn't in that one. It was um, Scarlet. Scarlet and the Scarlet, Baroness. okay. Yeah, they, they, they were allowed to fight each other. Right. Uh, but no one else would. Hmm. Um, and, I, I, I understand that you don't want a movie where like a big burly guy is like punching a woman repeatedly in the face, uh-huh. just on a visceral level that's not a fun thing to watch no it can be very very unpleasant but there's other ways to do it there's actually like um if you watch the original dolph lundgren the punisher which i maintain is in some respects still the best punisher movie (laughs) like it's a pretty solid action movie like seriously we we, it has a stigma watch it with fresh eyes it's a perfectly good action movie it's fine it's Uh, a perfectly good action punisher war zone i think wins just for sheer stupidity there's it's it's outlandishness Mm. is absolutely appreciated and i like that movie a lot but i think the punisher with Dolph lundgren is actually just in terms of just a straight up punisher movie no bells and whistles if he only wore the skull shirt it would be fine mm. uh but there's a bit at the end where he's fighting uh, you know, all the bad guys and one of the bad guys is a ballerina she's a killer ballerina and she's beating the shit out of him. That's how you take the curse <laughs> off of it. You have them win a little, or a lot, or or entirely. Like, come on. Like, why? Anyway. Mm. Um. So unfortunately, Janine Turner doesn't get much to do, which which does suck. Uh. But uh. But, uh, but uh, the point I was going to make is yeah. uh, because we uh, Stallone is Stallone. You know, he's yeah. like 
this is still the era where he's being sold as like the, the indestructible action hero. Yeah. Uh, even though he's a rescue guy, but he's Stallone. He's yeah. he's, he's not a, a practical, well, there, realistic there, kind there, of a character. There's this one bit where, like, in order, uh, okay, we're going to have you climb up there to get this thing, and in order to make sure you come back, we're taking your jacket. And we're at the top of a fucking mountain in the middle of winter. Mm. So you're wearing a t-shirt and jeans. You're coming back. Mm. And then the, there's an avalanche, and they think he's dead. And he's wandering around for the next 20 minutes, climbing the mountain in a t-shirt, I'm sorry, your your arms oh, fell off. It's a tank top, so we can see yeah. his biceps. But like, uh, yeah, he's the, the, you're gonna you're gonna get hypothermia. You're mm. gonna lose a limb. Yeah, but, <laughs> it's, uh, not, yeah. it's not good. I, I appreciate though that the bad guys are also the bad guys to each other. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of the threat to the the bad guys' plan comes from within. Yeah, and it's not because they're trying to like backstab each other or double cross each other as no. one person trying to get away with all the money. It's just because they're evil people who hate each other. Yeah. And, and none of them expected per- to be in the situation. This yeah, is supposed so to be, all we get the money, we land the plane and we're out of here. Perfectly willing to kill each other just yeah. because they're angry. And that means they just have to split the money that many fewer ways. Yeah. Uh, which is dangerous. I, I, it's a I dangerous like, situation to be in. It's dangerous, and I like that because it actually shows the desperation of the bad guys. That's the more interesting drama to yeah. me. Uh, I don't care about Jack Quaid, Richard Hauser, Gabe, Gabe, Gabe Phoenix, Walker. Gabe Walker. Gabe Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. I don't really care about Sylvester Stallone. They tried to give him some backstory. I think he does. I think he's fine. I think he's doing his uh, job here. But mm. you're right. They, they, and all the villains are given little bits of business. Mm. Like there's the one guy who's in, obsessed in like with a, soccer. Like and a Shane, starts, Shane Black kind yeah, of way. Like there's this one bad guy who's obsessed with soccer and then when he finally gets to like fight Michael Rooker, he's just trying to kick him off the mountain constantly. It's, it's mm. hilarious. Um, you've got Leon, who you may recall as the leader of uh, the, the, the um, bobsledders in Cool Runnings, uh, playing a villain role. He gets to kick the shit out of Stallone. He's actually very intimidating. I'm surprised mm-hmm. he didn't get to do more action movie stuff. Like, he's yeah. very effective in that villain role. He's great. There's a, uh actress named Carolyn Goodall uh, who plays uh, John Lithgow's second-in-command slash love interest. Mm. And she's a total badass, and they could have given her something to do and instead they find a way to do away with her character in an unexpected way that mm. establishes just how evil John Lithgow is. Yeah. Uh, but it also she, is she, kind of a disappointment. Well, it, it's a disappointment because you want to see more of her. I, f- yeah. I feel like um, she milked her final scene pretty well. She did. She did. She mm. reminded me of, uh, remember in Die Hard with a Vengeance, there was like a very similar character who was working with Jeremy Irons and oh, we got to I, see I her like slice that. people up with like a knife in a few times but she had oh, almost I've... no dialogue and had sort of an ignominious end. Um, I think her name was Sam Phillips. Yeah, Sam Phillips. Um, he was also apparently a very well-established uh, musician who composed the score for Gilmore Girls. Okay. Huh. <laughs> and the marvelous Mrs. Meisel. All right. No shit. Well, good for her. Very good for I had no idea. <laughs> Okay, well, anyway, I learned something today. And maybe you did, too. Um, anyway, Cliffhanger. Uh, one of the interesting things about Cliffhanger was uh, actually a lot of the backstory behind Cliffhanger, which uh, like, I knew some the, of. The making of Cliffhanger? Yeah, specifically the making of Cliffhanger. We've already mentioned some of it. Uh, but basically, uh, this movie started off 
as a buddy comedy with Sylvester Stallone and John Candy called Bartholomew versus Neff. <laughs> that was going to be directed by John Hughes. And then when that oh, oh my God. didn't Wait, happen, and then when that didn't happen, uh, Stallone uh, was still uh, under... Uh, uh, every, when that didn't happen, everybody breathed a sigh of relief and we moved on. <laughs> John, uh, 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 Stallone was still under contract with Carol Coe, so I had to find something for him to do. All right. And so they ended up uh, working on a couple of really potentially big films, one of which was going to be called Gale Force. And it was going to be about Stallone versus modern day pirates in a hurricane. And I'm sorry. Oh, that, that, that's a that's a good action movie. That's, that sounds right there, awesome. Yeah. I want to see that. It actually sounds a lot like the movie Hard Rain, which yeah. gets a bum rap. That's actually a pretty cool flick. Uh, mm. It's about a uh, uh, armored car heist in the middle of a hurricane. And then uh, a, a flood. Yeah, it's it, a flood and, yeah. and it leads to a flood. And uh, Christian Slater is like in the armored car and he tries to hide the money. He's trying to stop an evil Morgan Freeman. So it's already awesome uh, from like stealing this money. And he's in the middle of a flooded town and it's him and Minnie Driver. And they manage to like steal jet skis and they're like mm-hmm. zooming jet, ski jet skis through, and through stuff, like schools yeah. and shit like that. And it's like <laughs> it was an obscenely expensive movie. It was never going to make its money back. But seriously, watch it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Looks some bullshit in that movie. I, I remember when they changed the title, too. Yeah. I, I remember seeing previews for that movie when it was just called The Flood. Mm. And they changed it to Hard Rain, because I guess that was more yeah. threatening sounding. Anyway, they didn't want to make mm. Gale Force because it was going to be like super expensive. It was going to cost they, like $30, $40 million. So shoot, instead they made Cliffhanger. Ski, yeah. So instead Sh- they made Cliffhanger, ski. which cost twice as much. Um, <laughs> I don't understand. It's like, when, it's like when you find out that, like, I'm trying to remember the details, but uh, Robert Rodriguez was originally signed on to direct The Mask of Zorro. He had just done Desperado. He was mm. a big deal. They were going to bring him into the studio system and give him The Mask of Zorro. And if memory serves, he asked for, like, initially, like, $35 million. And he was like, actually, can I make that, like, 38 And the studio said, no, no, that's, that we can't do that. So they fired him, and they gave it to Martin Campbell. And Martin Campbell said, can I have 70 And they're like, sure. The fuck? <laughs> The fuck? We could have had Robin Rodriguez. I think he's working on a Zorro now or something like that. And I hope that's true. Oh, but I uh, I, they could have had that in the night. I love Mask of Zorro, but I would have loved to have seen Robin Rodriguez post Desperado Zorro. Mm. Oh, in my head, that's the coolest movie <laughs> ever. Oh, that an amazing. I, I, I think the Zorro we got is fine. It's a damn good Zorro. I'm not mm. gonna. It probably would have also starred Antonio Banderas, but who knows. Um... Mm. Anyway, so I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, yeah. sort of backstory to film all the different films it almost was. <laughs> all, yeah. You you go back through any uh, like reasonably sized Hollywood production and you're yeah. gonna find that. Um, yeah, I, I think it was the book Hello. Was it Hello He Lied? It was by Wim Goldman. Yeah. Um, Hello He Lied. Uh, it, it was. I don't know what, what was. There's a book out there about the making of the film that eventually would become Up Close and Personal, which oh, was yeah. a, a, a Robert Redford romantic movie. With um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in that one? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it was Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Um, I'll look it up. But here. yeah, it was... Uh, it was this... Uh, the, the book was about the making of this movie and mm. kind of how it went from inception to pitch to screenplay to different screenplay and how it mutated into this kind of... Uh, high profile but ultimately middling and kind of forgettable movie in the middle of all of this Mm -hmm. and how much chaos and backstabbing and money and deals have to be struck just to get that far and how you know kind of pointing out a it's a miracle if a movie works and b the the industry is just lousy with corruption Mm. uh it's called monster Monster. living off the big screen i I read that in college it's Mm. been a while but yeah there was uh 
it's a pretty enlightening book. I recommend that you you, yeah. you go through it because you don't have to be a fan of up close and personal uh, no. to, to understand what's going on in this book. It's kind yeah. of about just sort of this gigantic Hollywood machine. It's just so weird how things mutate. Yeah, um, uh, I, another another good one, and this is one I've recommended multiple times. Uh, 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 Tom Lennon and Ben Garant's book. Oh, yeah. Tom Lennon and Ben Garant were uh, members of a comedy troupe called The State in the 1990s, uh, and they ended up sort of pairing off and writing a couple notable Hollywood blockbusters uh, that made a lot of money but aren't critically acclaimed, uh, like the Night at the Museum movies. They wrote a movie called Taxi yeah. with Queen Latifah, and I think it was Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, it was a remake um, of a French action movie, which is quite good, the French one. Yeah, was um, and, yeah, it's about the, these... Queen Latifah has like a super taxi and they have to team up. She has to team up with Jimmy Fallon to take down this cadre of like supermodel bank thieves. Yeah. Tested through the roof, evidently. Oh, I'm Everybody sure it did. loved that movie. I'm sure in it the did. the test audiences. And yeah, it came out and it just. Never fell trust him. Face. You never trust him. Uh, well, just they're, because, they're, just because audiences very, uh, like it doesn't mean it's going to be advertised. They, well, they wrote a book true. called "Making or Writing Movies for Fun and Profit, but the fun and part is crossed off. Right. Uh, and yeah, it's just about kind of the nitty gritty of Hollywood mm. screenplay writing and how everything goes through changes. Mm-hmm. If you're a screenwriter, you're going to be fired off the project. That's yeah. just sort of the reality of the thing. And just be relieved when you are, because you got your paycheck and you don't have to work anymore. Yep. Don't ever treat a screenplay like it's your baby. Yeah. It's, it's just something and they tell you to use. make a change and you think it's stupid. You say yes. You say yes. Because they're going to make that change with or without you at yeah, that point. Like, probably. Yeah. Can, can we turn the main character into a pie? You should instantly say, yes, I can do that. Yeah. And you start finding a way to do that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, so there, there's not a lot of romance <laughs> to filmmaking, nah. as, as, not as much as we like to think. And nah. um, I, th- I think that's something that keeps Cliffhanger from really kind of excelling well, because, and yeah, standing above well, a lot of uh, other action pictures when, when you because at, you f- you feel the machinery at work in yeah, something like th- Cliffhanger. This is a movie that was constructed to be a blockbuster, mm-hmm. and I think that as simply a blockbuster... It's highly effective. Again, this is a movie we recently mentioned. Also on a on a we've got mail. Someone was like, "What are movies you wish you could have seen on the big screen?" I would have really been bummed out if I'd never had a chance to see Cliffhanger on the big screen because I'm watching it at home. It's fine. It's a good mm-hmm. movie. It's fun. It's exciting. It's got a lot of cool stunts in it. I like it a lot. Uh, big screen. It's meant to be seen on the big screen. You're supposed to get that sense of height and depth. Yeah. And you're just not going to get that at home, no matter how nice your system is, because your just your screen isn't big enough. I'm sorry. It needs to be bigger. So, on that pure spectacle level, Cliffhanger works great. Mm. It's a very, very fun, well-constructed, simplistic action movie. But it never goes that full distance and becomes something more than that, which is what Die Hard had. Die Hard actually is a film. For the flaws, I think we can all agree that it has, at least now, like the whole thing about how, yeah, there's a heroic subplot about a cop who killed a child who learns to kill again. Heroically, <laughs> that shit hasn't oh, thank, aged great. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a weird bit of filmmaking. But beyond that, the whole um, Bruce Willis Bonnie Bedelia storyline, there's a lot there, and there's a lot that it's actually commenting on in terms of like changing ideas, in terms of what uh, marriages and relationships and uh, uh, multiple people in the family working and getting you know basically being able to evolve. Talking about capitalism, talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, uh, <laughs> the the failure of police and bureaucracy. There's actually like ideas in that movie. Um, there are no ideas in Cliffhanger. The no. idea in Cliffhanger is it would be sure it would sure would be cool to make Cliffhanger. <laughs> but it and you know what? It, it would They're be, right. It would be fun to have a lot of really impressive action sequences on a mountainside. Yeah. Um, it's 
the same premise as the Iger Sanction, sure, uh, which is another uh, mountain climbing action movie. Yeah, uh, Vertical but, Limit has a similar vibe. No, well, ver- Vertical Limit's more, more a rescue. Like, movie. A re- yeah, it's a rescue yeah. movie. There's not like a bad like, guy, in but it's got Limit. that action vibe. To yeah, it, though. It, uh, it's uh, made more like an action. It's movie. another Martin Campbell movie. Indeed, um, it is. I kind of like Vertical Limit. It's fine. That was when uh, Chris O'Donnell was was hot shit for a second. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this three year period when everybody wanted Chris O'Donnell in their movies. Yeah. Uh, he's still, he's doing like a cop show now. I think. He was he was on one of the NCIS's or yeah, the LA like a really Lone successful Wars. cop show. Yeah, he's, so doing, he's, he's, he's doing, doing fine. he's doing he's fine. doing fine. But like yeah, there was he, moments he was, he was, he was a be, movie star in the '90s as a hit cop show. He's yeah. he's great. Um, uh, yeah, watching Cliffhanger, you're just sort of waiting for something fun or clever to happen, and then uh, it usually does. Something kind of clever happens here and there. Yeah, it's passively entertaining. The action sequences are always uh, exciting. The the brakes are a little off when it comes to who's in peril. A lot of people get killed. Yeah. There are some silly sequences. There's a bit where um, Sylvester Stallone and Janine Turner like stumble into a bat cave. Oh, yeah. And they're like, don't say a thing. It's like they're just bats. They're these cute little critters. What are they going to do? They're, yeah. They're not going to attack you. I get, uh, yeah, that, that whole <laughs> bit comes across as really weird. Like, like it was like a, a starving mountain lion or something. You might be in yeah. danger, but it's just a bunch of bats. Well, apparently they did shoot and, some and, more... and you can tell that a lot of them are puppets, so they're like kind of cute and silly and muppety. It's actually an interesting situation where uh, it was supposed to be more over the top than it was. There was supposed to be like a sequence where Sylvester Stallone like jumped from one peak to another. <laughs> like it was like a 40-foot jump or something like that. It's supposed to be completely nuts. Right. And I'm like, and apparently they, they, they got that. Because it was like that was one that was one step over the line. Was it was like, like a little too much. Was he swinging off of something that we didn't yeah. see that was off camera? No, like it just it just it, it didn't work. It was like the movie was, you know, uh, high concept and contrived, sure, uh, but relatively grounded. It wasn't mm. a it wasn't taking place in the last action hero universe. It was <laughs> a universe where people climb mountains and shit. Like mm. that's a thing, right? It was an action movie universe which it, yeah. tries to resemble the real world. S- Semi plausible in some regards. Mm. Uh apparently the mountain climbing community wasn't huge on it because <laughs> they took a lot of liberties. No. Uh which yeah. Well, you, you would, yeah. It, it's not about mountain climbing. It's not about the mountain yeah. climbing community. It's not trying to, to have an expose or explorer of no. that world. This is not a David Mamet film where there's going to be a lot of shop talk. Yeah. I would love to see that movie. That'd be fun. Uh, <clears throat> but no, this, this is just an excuse for stunts and action. Yeah. You, If you have Stallone, you need an actor who can be as big as Stallone. John Lithgow is perfect for that kind of balance. Yeah, yeah he can play it uh, out. Yeah. Christopher Walken? Not a good match with Stallone. No. David Bowie, definitely not a good yeah. match for Stallone. I would have liked to have seen it regardless, but yeah, I can see where you're coming from here. Mm. Um, no, I think John Lithgow was just right. I think he was. I think he nailed it. He mm. brings a lot of gravitas yeah. to it. Um, he he, uh, he does a British accent, which he learned from a serial package. I, that, that is just such a fake. I, I I kept expecting him to drop it eventually. I expected him to like like for it to get worse as time went on. So by the time it ended, he was doing the same accent he did in like Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> Yes, I will kill you. Where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> I am Emil Lizardo. It's weird to me considering how successful Cliffhanger is and how well well remembered it is today. It's not upper echelon like Stallone because that's that's Rocky and Rambo and uh, uh, you know he's, he's big. He's on bigger movies than this. Uh-huh. But this is a huge hit. People liked it. There was talk of doing a sequel that was going to take place in like the, a, a Hoover Dam type thing. It's going right. to be called the Dam. Uh, Dam Hanger. <laughs> sure. Would probably would have been fine. Never happened. I'm amazed that this has never been. I think they're talking about a remake, but I'm amazed this has never been strip mined for some other franchise. 
Because, well, like, the, you can see... The, well, the problem with strip mining something like Cliffhanger, uh-huh. you, it might have name recognition the title, uh-huh. but there's nothing here. There's not, like, a premise or a character uh-huh. or a conceit that you can parlay into a new film. I disagree, and I'll tell you okay. why. Mountain Rescue. That's it. Okay. You build other stories around a mountain rescue. You don't even need... You, don't even, you wouldn't even necessarily need Stallone back. As long the, as you the got prob- but the problem with Cliffhanger, we, we just said, the problem yeah. with Cliffhanger is it doesn't explore the world of, of mountain rescue. And you can have... A, it doesn't and, have a lot about the fineries of mountain rescue. I don't necessarily need the, the fineries, but there can it. be more exciting mountain rescue scenarios like if there out was, there. If there was just one really strong, solid scene at the beginning yeah. of the movie where we get to see the mountain rescue people like at the base of the mountain and what they yeah. do just sort of an ordinary day and somebody's yeah. calling on the radio and there's this whole team of like interesting characters who each have one line mm-hmm. if we got that then maybe yes that's what i'm talking that's about. where think, you that's where you build you go, all everything i think you go from like it's the route you go from from like the fugitive to u.s marshals where just all of a sudden the focus shifts mm. and now like michael rooker is like the main guy all right and he actually does have a bit more nuts and bolts of what they do but then something else thrilling happens i don't know someone gets kidnapped or uh the nuclear bomb is being transported and crashes and they have to find it before it explodes. I don't know. It could have been done. Mm-hmm. It didn't even have to be done well. I'm just surprised it wasn't done. There's a lot of movies out there. Not maybe as, you might, not maybe as many as I'm making it out, but like there's a fair number of movies out there which were reasonable successes, reasonably famous, and considering how IP-driven the industry has been for the last... Well, the ever, decade, really, but especially yeah. the last 30 years... I'm just shocked we never did more. I took like almost 30 years to get a sequel to The Craft. How is that not a straight to video franchise? How is that not a TV series? <laughs> it should have been a straight. We should have had The Craft 2 the next yeah, year. Yeah. You'd think, right? It should have been a t- it should have been a TV series on the WB like I know Charmed kind of took the oh, wind yeah, out of its sails. Mm-hmm. Fine, put it on UPN. There's plenty of room. <laughs> There's plenty of, and, it's so easy. It's Teenage it, Witches. Put, put it on the UPN. It'll be gone in a year anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but like seriously like it's it's weird to me that cliffhanger never spawned more of itself mm. like at least the I, attempt I, I totally understand it because these were stunt set pieces mm-hmm. constructed for this particular movie uh-huh. and it's just stunt set pieces there's not something in the premise that calls for more stunt set pieces it would just be more stunt set pieces i'm not complaining stallone that's wasn't, what jackass is stallone wasn't an interesting enough character uh, you don't need uh, stallone back Michael Rooker wasn't an interesting enough character. Yeah, Jimmy Turner bit, wasn't an interesting enough character. Van Damme was a reasonably big actor at the time. You put him in it. Why not? I, I don't think people would have gone to see Cliffhanger 2, is my point. I think they would have. I think Although, enough would have to have justified the expense. I, I will say that uh, over on 2nd Street in Santa Monica, California, there used to be a Pussycat Theater, which was the adult mm. movie house. I remember. It's where they showed the, the porno movies back when you had to go into public to watch pornography. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, there was a double feature one day, and th- this burned itself into my brain of waiting to triple X hail. I get it. And cliffbanger. <laughs> and I hope the movie has nothing to do with the film, which is like, hey, my name's Cliff. Oh, Boom! That's the movie. You know what's going to happen. It's about it, it's about a person who just bangs people named Cliff. So there are multiple yeah. multiple Cliffs. In I the get movie. it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. If they go by Clifton. I guess they still count. It's it's fine. I never saw a cliffbanger. I'm sure. Ooh, I know there's a lot. A lot of those older wait. movies have worked their way into like porn archives Clifton, somewhere. I'm sure. Heathcliff. But... Are there other, hmm. other, are there other cliffs? Stuart Sutcliffe. 
Sutcliffe. Sutcliffe. <laughs> Stuart just... Sutcliffe. Why not? I'm going to bang Stuart Sutcliffe. Sure. Um, anyway, that's it for Cliffhanger. That's all. Yeah. On that note, uh, there, there's, yeah, there, we're done. As, as you said, but, there's the little yeah. to discuss because this is this a film that's not about much. But, but, it's, uh, it's fun to watch. Yeah, I want to get your, it's, your final it's, take on it. it yeah. It's big, it's clunky, it's kind of stupid, it's cheesy. It's big Hollywood yeah. cheese. And, uh, you know, when you're... In the mood for a distraction mm-hmm. in the summer of 1993, mm-hmm. you, you could do a lot worse. Uh, yeah. I kind of regret that I didn't see it. I probably would have liked it a lot more. I probably would have watched it multiple times mm-hmm. if I had seen it in 1993. Yeah. Just gone back to the theater time and time again, because that's kind of what we did Yeah, at the time. We I just, was looking at like 1993 in the summer. We casually rewatched movies that we only kind of liked. Like, I think I, that's not as big an activity as it once was. Like when I was, uh, I was 11 in uh, that, in the summer of 93. Mm. And uh, I was just looking back at just like how many of these movies I saw in theaters, sometimes multiple times. Like, um, let's uh, let's let's hold on, let's go through it. So, Cliffhanger came out at the end of May, but we'll go through uh, May. Let's see what I saw in theaters. I saw Dave in theaters. All right, that was a cool one. Uh, I didn't get to see Carnosaur in theaters, much to my chagrin. I saw Hot Shots Part Two oh, in I theaters. One, yeah. I saw Cliffhanger in theaters. Uh, I saw Made in America that same weekend. Which one was Made the in Whoopi America? The Whoopi Goldberg Ted Danson comedy. Oh, I didn't see Made in America. That was also the same weekend the Super Mario Brothers movie came out. I I, I saw that movie. I know you did. Uh, yeah, I, I I I still like have a deep affection for the Super Mario Brothers movie. I know you do. The, the 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 strange ideas in it. Yep. And the bold artificiality of it. Yep. I appreciate. Uh, then, uh, then there was Jurassic Park. Obviously, we all saw that multiple times. Last Action Hero. I actually don't think I saw that in theaters. What, what, what date are you going by here? I'm going uh, 1993 in film. Just the whole. The I'm whole just, year. I'm just going through like June. So like, uh, I'm in so June start, right now. Starting in June. Okay, right. and then uh, I saw Dennis the Menace in theaters. I saw Sleepless in Seattle in theaters. That was the same weekend. Uh-huh. I saw The Firm in theaters. I think I saw Son in Law in theaters. I yeah. definitely saw In the Line of Fire in theaters. I think I saw Weekend at Bernie's 2 in theaters. This was the year I turned 15, so um, this was like when I started to work in movie theaters. I saw Free Willy in theaters. I saw Coneheads Mm -hmm. in theaters. I saw Robin Hood Men in Tights in theaters probably more than once. I saw Rising Sun in theaters. I don't think I think yeah, I saw uh, So I Married an Axe Murder in theaters. I saw The Fugitive in theaters. Didn't see the dark. I saw My Boyfriend's Back in theaters. Splitting ears, three of hearts, America. Yeah, Dave. Yeah. I'm just catching up with you here. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I didn't think, get to see yeah. Carnosaur in, in the theater, but I did. Tragic. I did end up seeing it. Yeah. Um, he said nothing. Yeah, I think I saw Surf Ninjas in theaters. I didn't see Atlas. I saw Action The Man Hero. Without a Face in theaters. I saw that. In a theater. I saw Fatherhood in theaters for some reason. There weren't a lot of like the big action pictures. Yeah. I wasn't seeing a lot of those. I saw but Son I was, of the Pink I Panther in theaters for some reason. I saw The Firm uh, when it was released in uh, uh, in America, but then mm. I was traveling in Greece a couple yeah. years later, uh, the next year, and uh, because of international release schedules in the nineties, yeah, films would we... open for like a year, uh, like uh, not until a year later. Yeah, overseas. Yeah, because yeah, really there was kind of delayed a lot there was of a, the online piracy wasn't really a thing, so you could hold off. Yeah, and sometimes hold off as many as multiple months to mm. show a movie in. Germany or Australia yeah, or whatever. So, it still happens sometimes, but it's less common. So I, I saw yeah. it a second time in Greece with Greek subtitles. Nice. Um, there was a re-release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Son-in-Law. Yeah, I saw it in the Line of Fire. Yeah, that movie um, kicks ass. 
I have still never seen Free Willy. I've still never seen Hocus Pocus. Um, oh, Hocus I did Pocus see. I did. I did. However, see Coneheads. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Coneheads. I think was the last like Hollywood blockbuster. Blockbuster Hollywood yeah. studio picture to have like a really cool looking stop motion monster in it because there was a big monster. There the was a cool stop motion yeah. monster at the end. I'm trying to think. Was it the last? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the last stop motion monster I've seen. I did in the... see. I did see the Fugitive. Um, huh. I, 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 you know what? I saw uh, Heart and Souls, the Ron Underwood film, uh, uh, multiple times in theaters. Wow. I really love that. I movie. found that one on home video. I wanted to yeah. see it. We just never got around to it. But yeah, that was yeah cool. that that one. I just fell in love with that. I have movie. no idea how interesting this conversation is to anyone. No, well, Hopefully we're, we're it just, is. We're just reminiscing yeah. about what came out in 1993 because we, we were all, around for it. It was just kind of cool. Yeah. And um, you know, we grew up in LA, so a lot of these movies were available at the same time. We, we had a lot of theater options, so. Um, yeah, well, I, th- I think the comment we're making is uh, just how how casually we went to movies when we were young yeah. and how uh, that was sort of very common among our peer group. Yeah. Uh, and well, there were fewer entertainment options in many regards. There was what was live on television, well, there there was was, what you could rent, there was, maybe some yeah, video games. There were already video stores, there were already video games, yeah. there was already cable TV, so there were dozens of channels, only dozens, yeah. but dozens of channels. We were not lacking for entertainment. No, no, of course uh, but not. Cin- but cinema, cinema was, was still a, a, the large, of the universe. a large chunk of it, and yeah, where. Yeah. The, the chosen form of entertainment, despite all those other things, was film. And this was yeah. before uh, the internet kind of fractured everything. Uh, and, you know, streaming eventually sort of moved in and put a big dent in the, the movie industry. And then they started spending so much money on TV and mm-hmm. streaming that they could actually compete with the movies for spectacle. Yeah. Which is yeah. one of the things, like, you couldn't... Yeah, I can watch TV instead of going to see Cliffhanger. Nothing I see on TV is going to be as big as Cliffhanger tonight. Right. right you know, right. especially not in the summer when everything's in reruns. Mm. You know? So, Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and I feel like um, there are a few filmmakers or a few studios that are really trying to up the sense of spectacle. Yeah. Uh, often with mixed results. Uh, everybody's sort of turning their nose up at uh, the second Avatar film. Yeah. James Cameron will not make a movie unless it's the biggest thing in the world. Right. So there's reason to look forward to that kind of thing. I think, here's my thing with someone, was, I was having a conversation with someone, I can't remember who. I had a conversation with someone about the new Avatar, and they were talking about how, like, oh, everyone's saying that no one really cares about the new Avatar, but I assure you it's going to make a billion dollars. And I think and I think both things are true. I think that there isn't a lot of excitement and speculation about where the characters and the story will go. Yeah. You hear that, about like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen in the next Batman. This I hope is they, exactly you know, what I was saying yeah, about like, Cliffhanger. But yeah, yeah, you, get, okay. you get really, really excited about what the character will do next and what story they'll adapt next, all that kind of stuff. You get really invested in where the characters are going. Avatar is the story in the original Avatar sucks. I don't care if you love that movie or not. It's not a particularly interesting, distinct, exciting story. It's just a cool premise and an incredible it's, it's visual a, experience. It's one of those very basic stories that's been used in movies since time immemorial. Sure. It's it's the it's the white man goes native it story. Is. It's uh, you know, the, it the last samurai and dances I think, with wolves. And, and I think it's got a lot of popular flaws. Comparisons. I think it's got a lot of flaws on top of that, just as a story. But people didn't care about the story; they cared about the spectacle. Mm. And what brings people to theaters right now? Spectacle. Well, char- like, actually, it's characters. I, I would I would disagree. I think characters, uh, the characters that are bringing people back, are bringing spectacle with them. No, like if they, yeah. if we put out the the fourth film in the Before Sunrise series right now, mm. it wouldn't do Batman numbers. No, it it, people are going back to the people go back to. Well, I'm, I'm people, thinking, people pay to see Tom Cruise do a Mission Impossible movie. They don't pay to see him do anything else. They pay to see Batman doing Batman stuff yeah. on a big or a small scale. They, they're Granted. if if there's a movie with you know multiple Spider-Man in it, it doesn't really matter how good that spectacle was. 
Like, but that it has, is the it has spectacle. To, it has to be the spectacle. That is, is that is the that is the selling point. So that they're, is the they're holy going, shit. Yeah, they're going to see the characters. Not that not even necessarily watch them do anything other than just sort of interact a little I, bit. I see your point, but my point is this: that's a big event. Yeah, you're going because it's an event. Mm. Avatar two, and I know it's going to be like all underwater and shit. I'm sure it's going to love really amazing visual effects. It's going to be an event, even if the story is bad. It's not going to be important. That's not why people will show up. Yeah, yeah, people they will show up to be transported somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm I think both things are true. That's I, all I'm saying. You can, you can make me eat my words on this if it yeah. comes to pass. But I'm very confident that Avatar Two is going to be one of the biggest things of all time. Uh, you know, I, you again, you, I th- think, there's uh, no guarantees in this world, but. Yeah, James Cameron's got his finger on the pulse. You know, d- uh, doubt him at your peril. Yeah, no one yeah. wants to be the next person in the James M. Cameron anecdote who said, "No, nah, I don't think it's going to work." Yeah, because it's he's done that like four times already. It's like everybody thought t- Titanic was going <laughs> to sink. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, it, it was the biggest movie of all time. Yeah. Uh, and then he did the same thing with Avatar, which yeah. was his next movie, and now yeah. he's going to do another Avatar. Just, at some it's point, be that much at some more point, impressive. you just trust him. So yeah, just, at some point you just trust him. Uh, I, I'm not the hugest fan of James Cameron's movies. No. I, I like some of them a lot. Some of them I'm just sort of warm on. Yeah, uh, I, definitely not I'm, a bad filmmaker. No, even I mean, though I don't think Avatar is good as he, like on a story he, level, he operates good, at sort of like the doing. height of pop filmmaking. Yeah, like that—that's the best kind of pop movie we're going to get about the Titanic. It's yes. uh, if if you're going to make a, a, a space alien movie about original characters and this original species with its own uh, mythology, mm. you, you get something like Avatar. Sure, uh, it it feels. There's, there's something almost Jungian about what he does, and it's not necessarily good or bad. It's kind of tapping into something in the back of our head, kind, yeah. kind of primal about what he does. So, yeah, Avatar 2 is going to be great. Sure um, it is. Cliffhanger has no future. I apologize. <laughs> Unless James Cameron's Cliffhanger, Cliffhangers, <laughs> James Cameron's Cliffhangers comes out, and right. uh, it's you're going to be about mountains fighting each other. Mm-hmm. No, it's no nobody cares enough about Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger is perfect unto itself. It belongs in this little capsule back in 1993. That's fair. It's on Netflix now. Check it out. Check this it out. is the cool. kind of the kind of crap that we were watching in summer of 93. Anyway, uh next time on Critically Reclaimed, we're going to be taking by request, someone pointed out we hadn't done the streaming service yet. We're going to head on over to Hoopla. Yep. Hoopla. It's a lot of Hoopla over there. And uh they have a section on Hoopla. It's a free streaming service. Uh with it's basically called like the most popular movies, it's and it's like the most popular movies of all time. Yeah, like on their at, streaming that service. It, yeah, for Hoopla, which is a somewhat limited streaming service. I'm not saying everything they get is bad, but they're not huge. So, the selection of films that are like the most popular are somehow some of them are like okay, and some of you're like really uh, okay, yeah, sure. So uh, here's here are the options, and if you want to vote, head on over to Patreon.com/slash Critically Acclaimed Network. Uh, the poll should be up around the time this podcast goes live. Only our patrons get to vote, and your options are The Joy Luck Club, a classic, classic, classic film. Uh, the Lost City of Zed, an only one classic film. No, it's actually relatively recent, but it's very it's, critically Yeah, acclaimed. from a couple of years ago. Very on, critically but, yeah. uh, The YA adaptation Inkheart, which is about a heart with ink in it. It's got Brendan Fraser. He does. Yeah, it's Fraser, based yeah. on a YA novel. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but it's got a Brendan Fraser. In it. And then lastly, Made, M-A-I-D, in Manhattan. And in Made in Manhattan, Jennifer Lopez plays a maid in Manhattan. And she falls for Ray Fiennes, who's like 
a prince or something? Is he like a senator? He's I, I like think, some big shot. I think he's just a wealthy man. He's just a big deal kind it's, of dude. Uh, go, and, uh, go, but will he find the, out that she's... The ethics and the fineries yeah. of, uh, of dating someone you've hired. Um, yeah. All I know about Made in Manhattan is the poster that they've altered at Cinephile Video. <laughs> they found it this big. For some reason, they were mailed a poster for Made in Manhattan. Yeah. And they just blanked out their eyes. Oh, it's, the, it's the creepiest looking thing. Nice. Yeah. So, so I can, all I can think is like Demon Made in Manhattan. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's what's. Uh, we'll be reviewing one of those on the oh. next upcoming episode of Critically Reclaimed. So, thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for uh, being a patron and voting. Uh, thank you, everybody, for subscribing. Uh, if you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail, so feel free to send along questions, uh, corrections, mm-hmm. uh, anything you want us to talk about, we'd be happy to do so. We also have a uh, snail mail account, which we would have had, which we would have had, shut up, which we would have had in 1993. It's a mailbox, and it's in a post office. We have a What's post office box? We have a post office box. Uh, uh, make it out uh, to the Batman uh, P.O. Box six four one five six five Los Angeles California nine double zero six four. Yeah, that, um, the joke's already run, run thin, hasn't it? A little to, bit, but let's just do it. We have. I don't think we've got one yet. Although I haven't checked the mail today, so maybe. Oh yeah, maybe um, we got one. Uh, so there's that, and uh, of course we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I am at Whitney Seibel. And uh, until next time, remember that movie Cliffhanger. Oh, 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 o